Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. We've been in a series on the soul, and what we've been gathering around, what we've been focusing our attention on, is answering the following question. What does the human soul need most to be healthy and whole? That's an important question. It's an important question because there are a lot of things in this life that we can commonly pursue as solutions to satisfy the longings and perceived needs of the soul. How many of you know what I'm talking about? There's a lot available, especially in America, to satisfy the longings and needs of the soul. And there's a human tendency for us to search to to fulfill these longings and needs. Jesus actually talked about this human tendency in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. He said, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your own soul? I think there's two things here that are really significant. The one is Jesus identifies your worth is invaluable. Your soul is invaluable. Your worth is invaluable because your soul is invaluable. The health and condition of your soul should matter to you. It should matter what's going on on a soul level. And then the second thing we see here is that uh, often we are pursuing a lot of things in this world to satisfy that soul. See, we can pursue wealth and accomplishments and achievements. We can pursue whatever makes us happy. We can pursue the American dream. We can pursue college degrees and lifelong careers, marriage, family, white picket fence, Siberian Husky as a dog. We can pursue all of these things, and I'm not saying that any of those are wrong in and of themselves. But when we assume that these things alone will satisfy the longings of our soul, we can set ourselves up for disappointment. See, that's what he was saying. He's saying that there's a reality that people can pursue the whole world and yet lose their soul in the pursuit. Why do we do this? We do this because we have this lingering longing on the inside of us that wants to be satisfied and fulfilled. We long for meaning, for happiness, for peace. No one in this world wants to live without peace. No one. How many of you know that right now there is a global conflict happening. People want peace. They want peace. And so Thomas Aquinas, it's interesting, this 13th century philosopher actually talked about this need. He said this, he said, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. And so this question, what does the human soul need to be Uh, healthy is such an important question. The other reason why it's such an important question is because it's also impossible to be fully healthy, to be a fully healthy human being, unless we are also healthy on a soul level. You can be a specimen physically, but physical health is not alone a great metric for your overall health. We know this because much has been made over the last two years especially about the importance of people being mentally healthy and emotionally healthy. 
We can't just be physically healthy and assume that physical health on its own is a great indicator of our overall health. We need health in every way, shape, and form. That's why it's important to answer what does the soul need to be healthy and whole. And so I want to get into this. And what I, I want to get into what I believe is the most important need for the human soul. But before we do that, will you join me in prayer? Jesus, we thank you for this great opportunity. We thank you, Father, for every person in the room this morning. God, we ask that you would speak to us. God, not just through me, but Father, that you would speak specifically to each and every person in the room this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. What does the human soul really need to be most healthy and whole? Well, before we uh, tackle that, we all have to get on the same page about what the human soul is. The human soul uh, is, is important, and we need to know what the human soul is because we can't necessarily identify what something needs if we don't know necessarily what it is. How many of you have ever done that? <laughs> you think you need something, but because you don't necessarily fully understand what you think you need, you, you end up going and pursuing something else. So we need to know what the soul is. Three truths about the human soul. Number one, the human soul, according to our common cultural understanding, you can see this in psychology and just in culture alone, the human soul is often identified as the composition of three things. Your mind, that's your thoughts, your mindset, your patterns of thinking, your intellectual processes. The second thing about the human soul is that it is also your will, your desires, your passions, your motives, ambitions, inclinations, your drive for life, and the third is your emotions, your feelings, your natural in instincts, your mood, or your attitude. If we were to take all of that, because I think that's really heavy to contemplate, but if we could simplify what that composition is, we could simplify it this way, that the human soul is who you and I are on the inside. Our soul, not physically, it's our soul is our internal reality. Our soul has everything to do with what's going on on the inside. Simply put, your soul is your inner you. It's the thing that you may not project to everybody. It's the thing that often you alone only know. Maybe you're not vulnerable. Maybe you're not a person that's open and really kind of lays out their, bears their soul to people and so you may not necessarily open up fully to reveal what's going on on the inside, but nevertheless, we all know that there's something going on on the inside. That's your soul. It's your internal reality. It's your inner you. David, a king of Israel, whose life is recorded in Scripture, also kind of verified this in Psalm chapter 103, verse 1. He said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, that is all that is within me. He was identifying that it's literally... That inside, inside reality, internal reality. The, the other thing about the soul is though every human has a soul, not every human soul, or every human soul is uniquely different. Our souls are different because although we have a mind, although we have a will, although we have emotions, we all think differently. We all desire different things. We all, all process the world emotionally different. We all have a soul, but they're all uniquely different. Listen to me, this is probably perhaps one of the more important things that I'm going to say this morning. You are who you are because of your soul. Your personality, the way in which 
you engage the world around you is based upon this internal reality. You are who you are because of your soul, but more importantly, I want you to get this, you are who you are because of the condition of your soul. If your soul is healthy, you see the world healthy. You engage with the world healthy. If your soul is not fully healthy, then the way in which you engage the world around you is different. See, what I want you to understand is that you cannot outrun or avoid the health of your soul. You take your soul wherever you go, and it affects the way in which you interact with the world around you. And so we can't avoid that. And so it's important for us to understand what does the human soul really need to be healthy and to be whole. My overall health, you and I's overall health, is contingent on the health of the soul. You see, not only do we need to know what our souls really need to be healthy and fulfilled, but we also need to know what to turn to when the unfortunate circumstances of life can be detrimental to the health of our soul. How many of you know that the last two years have been challenging for everyone? No one has been immune to what the world and everything that has been swirling around and everything that has been happening, no one has been immune to that. It has all affected us in different ways, shapes, or in forms on a soul level. We have not been able to outrun that. It does not even, even if you bunkered and hunkered down to try to eliminate it from your life, you have still had to face the reality of what these last two years has done on a soul level. See, we need to know what our souls really need to be most healthy. Because what do we do when we aren't healthy on a soul level? Because of what life has brought with it. Solomon, an ancient king of Israel, once again, uh, whose life is recorded in Scripture, he made this observation about the soul. In uh, Proverbs chapter 18, Verse 14, but he used the spirit. He used the spirit to kind of identify and communicate and express this, this idea of the soul. He said, a healthy spirit conquers adversity. How many of you have ever had times in your life where because you're healthy, you can overcome anything? Not just physically, but I'm saying when, you, when, you're, when, you're, when your mind is healthy, when your emotions are healthy, when your desires are healthy, you can have challenges and circumstances, situations that come, and you can, you can overcome them. You can get through it. But what he, he also makes another observation. He says a healthy spirit conquers adversity, but what can you do when your spirit is crushed? What do you do when life has sucked the air out of your soul? When life has brought you to your knees, when life is more than you can handle, you, it's an uphill climb, you don't know how to overcome it in your own strength and capacity. What do you do in those moments? Even Jesus talks about the challenges of life in John 16, when he said, in this life you will have trouble. Life will be press, pressing, stressful full of obstacles and challenges and unfortunate circumstances. Have you, ever, um, have you ever just had something hit you individually and personally? It's totally just sidelined you? I mean, where it's just like, my God, this, they, I did not see this coming. It sidelined you. It sidetracked you. It took the life out of your lungs. 
See, where do we go to deal with our depression? Where do, you, where, where do we go to deal with anxiety, hopelessness, despair? Because these are all things that life brings. I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm just trying to be real. What we often do is we often try to process in our finite mind how can we cope or medicate ourselves. What, 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 what do I... Uh, so we start to, to look for something within our grasp and, and in our ability and in our thought processes to try to cope, to try to overcome, to try to move forward. Because no one, once again, wants to live that way. We don't want to live under these umbrellas of depression, anxiety, hopelessness. Where do we go with our soul to get help? See, I am 38 years old. I've got a whole bunch of gray hair now. It's because of children and youth ministry, I swear. <laughs> but you know what's crazy? This is how I feel. I, I know that I, I'm kind of coming up to a midlife crisis because I no longer feel invincible. You start, to, you start to get a little bit older, and then you realize that, like, you can't overcome everything on your own. And you, you have these challenges, these struggles, and these realities that settle in. Um, I'll, it was to a smaller scale. I used to run, and uh, I would be running, and I would be about, like, I'd have, like, a tenth of the mile left. And I'd be like, you know, I'm going to turn it up another gear. And guess what? There was no other gear. <laughs> like, I was going as fast as I could. No other gear. And I'm like, oh, okay, so there is no other gear. I guess this is the gear. <laughs> the older you get, the more you realize, like, you're really not invincible. You, you, within yourself, you don't have all the solutions. You, you can't. There's not enough strength you can muster up, willpower, whatever it may be, to overcome certain obstacles and challenges in your life. What do you do when you need help? My whole point is this, is at 38 years old, I am realizing that I need help. I need help beyond my own ability and capacity. And that's a crazy thought to consider because the last time I really needed help was when I was five. When I was, when I was dependent upon my mom and dad to, to help me through life. And you start to become more and more independent, and then you start to believe that you're invincible and you can do anything, and then life's like, psych! And you get older and you start to realize, wow, I, I never outgrow needing help beyond myself. Right, right. Well, where, where do you go when you, turn, when you need help? Where do you turn to deal with the stress of life? What do you do when you've done everything in your own ability to try to fix the condition of your soul and it's not working? We have to know where to take our soul. Because when we don't know where to take our soul or turn our soul to, it's in those moments that it can be most damaging and, and, and destructive to ourselves. It can produce a hopelessness and despair. We can begin to feel trapped in this existence. You know what's amazing about those moments, if you've ever had low moments, moments in your life where you're like, this is not what life is supposed to be. Why do you even think that? See, isn't it interesting that in our lowest moments, there's something on the inside of us that says, this is not what life is about. Isn't that an interesting thing? 
Where did that come from? Why do we fight to overcome the lowest moments of our lives? Why don't we just embrace it and accept it and come to the conclusion, well, I guess this is what life is about. I think it's because intrinsically, you and I's soul and every human soul being, human soul on the planet, understands that the lowest moments of life was not why we exist. Where did that come from? Why do we fight that? Why do we resist it? Why doesn't Ukraine just say, okay, conquer us? Why do we fight against the adversity that makes our lives worse? I think there's an answer to that. I think it's because we have been hardwired on a soul level to say that we were brought into this world for something better than these low moments. Where do we turn? In the midst of all the trials and troubles of life, there's something inside of us that is telling us this is not why we exist. There's something that fights that reality. Where do we go when we tur- to turn when our souls are sick? Where do we take our souls to be restored? What does our soul need to be healthy and whole? Where do we go to get the answers to these longings? Though all of our souls are uniquely different, we all have one thing in common. There's one primary thing that every one of our souls needs. When we're wondering why is life the way it is, what is my meaning, what is my purpose, what is my existence, why am I aspiring for something to be better, why at the foundation of this nation was there an American dream? Why was there an American revolution? Because subjection to the tyranny of Britain tapped into a soul need that I was not created to exist under the control of someone else. That's right. it's, I, I'm telling you, the questions, and the, it's so much bigger. Why? Why do we have this? Three, three needs of our souls to be healthy and whole. Number one, the human soul needs, and Pastor Dwight alluded to this earlier, the human soul needs something other than ourselves at the center. In order for your soul to be healthy, you can't be the center of it. We cannot be the center of our souls. Our souls are most unhealthy and sick and unsatisfied and unfulfilled when the focus of our lives is ourselves. Listen to me. Let me just tell you this. This is me not just writing something down. This is a confession to everyone. I am most miserable when I am focused solely on me. And isn't it interesting because there's, there's a balance. I, I'm not saying that you, need to, you don't need to take care of yourself, but I'm saying there's a, there's a balance to it. Because you can, you can get so inward focused and so self-focused and so I just need me time and then become, me time becomes I need me day and me week and me month. And you start to become more and more inwardly focused. And then there's this sick cycle to all of it. It's crazy because you'll get to a point where you're like, you know what, I just need another thing. And then you're not happy. And then you're like, I need another thing. And you're not happy. The reason why we're not happy is because we're not meant to be the center of our soul. And it takes us down this narrow pathway to where we're trying constantly and constantly to meet our own needs. Guess what? In order for your soul to be healthy, 
you can't be the center. We see this same principle applied similarly in the scientific world. I love this. This is amazing. In the 15th century, uh, there was a scientist named Copernicus. How many of you have ever heard of Copernicus before? Copernicus made an amazing, amazing discovery. He found that the earth was not the center of the solar system. He discovered that the sun was the center of the solar system. And what that means is that the solar system does not revolve around the earth, but the earth revolves around the sun. And he was actually taken to trial. He was persecuted. He was mistreated because he believed that the earth is not the center of the solar system. The sun is the center. In other words, not the, the solar system does not revolve around the earth. The, the earth revolves around something beyond itself that's bigger than itself. And he's quoted as saying this, if a man is to know the truth, he must change his thinking. Despite what we have said, our earth is not the center of the cosmos. The sun does not move around us. We move around the sun. This new scientific fact was initially met with resistance, but soon thereafter, it was embraced. Why? You got to get this. Listen to me this morning. The reason why people came to embrace it was not because he grew in popularity. It was because there were unanswered questions about the solar system that found their answers once they realized that the earth was not the center, the sun was the center. Similarly, there are longings of the soul, questions of the soul, that will never get answered when we are the center of our soul. They will only get answered when we realize that we were brought into this world to revolve around something else being at the center. We were brought into this world to orbit something else. When we are the center of all of our longings, when we're looking for meaning within ourselves, when we're looking for fulfillment within ourselves, when we're wanting ourselves to be the center of our world, that is when some of these existential questions about existence and purpose and meaning and value never get answered. They only get answered when you realize that, first, we can't be the center. Second thing, about the soul is our souls are eternal in nature. Therefore, they must have something eternal at the center. Even the ancient Greeks knew this about the soul. Listen to what the ancient Greeks defined the soul as. The soul, according to the ancient Greeks, was this. It was the immaterial essence. You can't You can't open up a human body and find the soul. It's immaterial, but it's there. It is the immaterial essence inside every human that differs from the body in that it is not dissolved by death. What that means is that it's eternal. When you are brought into the world, there's a soul miraculously placed inside of you And when you exit this world and you breathe your last physical breath, that soul, even the ancient Greeks, identified that there's something eternal in you that will go beyond your expiration point. 
It's eternal. See, your soul is an eternal thing placed inside of you. And unless, listen, an eternal entity is at the center of your soul, and your life is orbiting or revolving around that eternal entity, then your soul will be perpetually unsatisfied and unhealthy. Because your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, the internal reality, because your soul is eternal, it will not be forever permanently satisfied by the natural things that this world has to offer. Why is it that when people are trying to cope with the state of their soul, they may turn to drugs, they may turn to alcohol, they may turn outside of their marriage, they may turn to needing another thing and another thing and another thing. And guess what? We believe this thing that if I just have that one time, I'll be okay. And the first time is never the last time. Because natural can't satisfy eternal. Eternal is only satisfied by eternal. By the way, I think it's interesting. You can look it up for yourself. In Acts chapter 17, Paul, a believer in Jesus, comes before all of the philosophers of the Greek age. And he says, yeah, you have a statue to a God you don't know about. Let me tell you about that statue. That statue is the one that actually put breath in your lungs to allow you to live. In him you move, you live, and you have your state of being. And I'm telling you, you have been dedicating your life to all of these other gods, but it's actually that one that your soul needs. Your soul is eternal. It needs an eternal thing. My suggestion to you this morning is that the answer to what your soul is really seeking, what your soul is really longing for, what your soul needs to be healthy and whole, can be found in the Bible. Once again, Solomon, an ancient king of Israel, listen to what he wrote. He wrote an entire book called Ecclesiastes. If you've grown up in church, you're like, I can't even pronounce it. Why would I read it? But I'm telling you this. He wrote an entire book about how life is meaningless when God is not the center. The whole book culminates in that one truth. He says the word meaningless, life is meaningless, 39 times in the book. He was one of the wealthiest people to ever live. Kings and queens would come to his palaces to stand in awe and wonder at the reality of these facilities. He had money upon money. He had women upon women. He had over 300 concubines. Sweet Jesus. Yeah, Pastor Dwight said, no wonder he had issues. You got over 300 women you got to please, and you're one man? You ain't God. But you know what's crazy about it? He literally had what we aspire as the pinnacle, premier reality of life, and yet he said, life is meaningless without God. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. Um, his name rhymes with uh, Smean Guest. I don't want to say his name. But we were just talking about the reality that like, it's really easy to envy other people's realities. It's really easy to envy their possessions. We have this phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. We, we really, it's like, and we think, we believe this crazy thing about life. If I just have what they have, then I'll finally be content. And it, came, it dawned on me in the moment as we were having this conversation that the crazy thing about it 
is that the very people that you wished you had their existence are longing for someone else's. They're not thinking they had arrived. They're actually like, man, what would make me happy is if I had what that person has, and here you are further down the food chain longing for their reality, and they're not even happy with their own. Isn't that a crazy thing? It's because the natural will never satisfy the eternal. Solomon said this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He said, God has set eternity in the human heart. God has set eternity in you by placing something eternal in you. Deposited inside of every human body is a human soul that longs to be reconnected to God. Since the beginning of time, we've observed this in culture alone, in history. That humanity has always tried to make sense of this planet and this world through religion and through the existence of various forms of God. What is the reason for that? The reason for that is that no human soul can escape the soul's longing for God. Because God has deposited it in every human being, a craving for him. It's called the soul. What is the eternal entity that is supposed to be at the center of your soul? What is your soul really looking for to find meaning, significance, and health? Where do you turn your soul when it is sick and needs help? My suggestion to you is that you take your soul back to the one that the Bible says. Put it there in the first place. This is what the soul needs And here's the thing, it's no condemnation. You can leave this room and pursue the rest of your ambitions. That's fine, but you'll fall short. We'll come up short. We will think, if I just have this, I'll finally have peace and contentment. And you gain it, and now you need something else. See, what is this eternal entity? It is God. It is God. What does the human soul need? The human soul needs a personal relationship with God. And not only that, the human soul needs God to be at the center of your life. See, I feel like I'm talking to some people that are in the room that feel like they're invincible. They feel like, oh, I, got, I got plenty of time to come to God. I, hey, Go ahead and run after all of the ambitions and all of these things, but I'm just telling you, it will, it will come up empty. It won't really satisfy. How about you short-circuit the hard trials, pain, and just come to the understanding that your soul needs something eternal. That's a relationship with God. See, this is the, the truth. Money won't be the solution to the soul because money didn't put your soul in you. Yeah. Relationships will not be the solution to your soul because relationships did not put your soul inside of you. Careers will not be the solution. Wealth will not be the solution. Fame will not be the solution. Success will not be the solution. Whatever ambition in this natural world that you are longing to satisfy the soul, it will not be the thing that satisfies the soul because it's not what brought you into this world and put you on this planet in the first place. It just won't. So if I could have my friend come and play the piano... See, our souls will only be truly healthy when they are connected to the one who placed the soul inside of us. So how do we begin a relationship with God God and make God the center of our lives? The answer, according to the Bible, is simply Jesus. 
John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus is having a conversation with someone who is actually wondering that. How do I I fix the the, the status of my soul? My soul is not healthy. My, My soul, the condition of my soul is not okay. How do I fix that? And Jesus says this in response. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way for your soul. I am the truth for your soul. I am the life for your soul. He goes on to say, no one can come to the Father. Now, why does he say Father instead of God? Because Jesus was God's Son. It was personal to Him. God was personal to Him. And what He's saying is, in the same way that my Father, God, is my Father and I am His Son, you can also be able to have a relationship where my Father, God, is now your Father. And you can be a son. And you can be a daughter. He says, I am the way for your soul. I am the truth for your soul. I am the life for your soul. The mission of Jesus was to come into the world and make a way for human beings to be in relationship with God because from the beginning of time, the story of the creation of the world in the book of Genesis indicates that God created humanity to coexist in constant connection to Him. I was having this moment this morning as I was praying. And I was thinking, listen, no one, not one human being comes into the world and exits this, this world without pain, trials, circumstances, hardships, brokenness. We, no one is immune to the challenges of life. And I thought this, I thought, why? Because I believe in God. I thought, why would God create us to live out this hardship and this existence why would, not, why would he not create us so that we are born into heaven? Because the book of Revelation at the end of the, the Bible says that in heaven there is no more pain, there's no more sickness. Every single thing that causes your soul to be hurt, your soul to be unhealthy in this world, heaven is the opposite of that. If God was so awesome, why would he not allow us to be born into that reality. And it quickly dawned on me, we actually need this reality to give us the perspective about how incredible that one will be. My trials, tribulations, hardships, brokenness, pain, suffering on this planet will only aid in the reality of why heaven is so amazing. He said, I'm the way. So this purpose was short-lived, being in coexistence with God in the garden. Because as the story goes, through the disobedience of the first human beings that God created, which is what we call sin or rebellion against God, mankind consequently from there on after would live out life disconnected from the soul's eternal source. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and this is good news. This is where it gets really good. Paul, a believer in Jesus Christ, says this. He says, but when the right time came, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, born of a miraculous birth, 
from a woman subjected to the law that is subjected to the reality of of sin. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to sin, slaves to rebellion, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. What does this mean? This means that God sent his son Jesus into the world so that human beings could once again connect their souls to the human soul's eternal source. And that freedom came through Jesus dying on a cross for the sins of humanity, which was not a price that we could pay. Don't get caught up in the rat race that God's love for you, God's acceptance of you is based upon your perfection and your performance. We were not designed to try to earn our way back into God's good graces. Ephesians says it is the gift of God which brings Salvations brings relationship with God. It's a gift. Why is it a gift? Why did God do it? Because He's always created humanity to be directly connected to Him. Before in Genesis it says God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. Why did He do that? Because God in His crazy heart, He saw that it was not good enough for Himself to be alone. So He created those in His image and His likeness to be in relationship and fellowship with Him because He's so passionately in love with those that He created. Once again, quoting philosopher Thomas Aquinas, he said this, there is nothing to unify God in the soul but the cross of Jesus. Because listen to me, God never wanted humanity to live out their lives separated from him, He knew that what would be most healthy for the human soul in this life and after this life is for the human soul to be connected for eternity to Him and for God to be the center because we were not born and created and designed to be the soul or the center of our souls. Jesus tells us God's masterful plan in the conversation with someone that's like, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus says this about Himself, for this is how God loved the world. He gave us one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. That is, everyone who believes in Him will not die and then spend eternity perishing all over again. But everyone who believes in Him will have life and life more abundantly for the rest of eternity. And I want you to hear this next one if you've grown up in complicated circles about what God is and who Jesus is because I want you, if you have, have, I want you to understand a picture of who Jesus really is because Jesus, Jesus went from John 3.16 to John 3.17 and this is not the one that necessarily makes itself on the billboard. It says God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world. See, what would the judgment look like? The judgment would be, you're a sinner, you're screwed up, you're messed up, good luck figuring it out for yourself. He didn't come to condemn and judge. He came to save. See, ultimately what the soul needs is redemption. The soul needs something beyond your own strength and willpower that you give your soul to to begin to bring transformation in your life. And some of you may be in the room and you're like, I don't really feel like I can change. (laughs) It's not about you. It's actually not about what you can do. But when you put God at the center, things happen. Transformation happens. The desires of your heart begin to change because you realize, 
This is what I was designed to have. This is what I was designed for. See, the way in which our soul connects to its eternal source is nothing else but through putting our belief in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ to give access to our soul back to God again. A God-centered life is what the human soul really longs for. And where does a relationship with God begin? It's so simple. And I actually want you to get this. In Acts chapter 16, 31, Paul is in prison. A miracle happens, breaks the prison doors open, and the prison guard is Roman. And he knows that if Paul actually escapes, he's going to have to take his life, or the Romans' authorities will actually take his life for him because he missed his assignment and he did not do his job to keep the prisoners in the prison. And so the prison guard, listen to me, the prison guard is at a place where his soul is sick. He realizes that a miracle has happened And as a result, he is about to get his life taken from the higher up authorities. He's about to to do it. And so he says, you know what? I think I'll take my own life. And he's got kids and he's got a family. He's got all this stuff. He's like, I'm going to take my my own life because I know I, 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 I can't do this anymore. And Paul says, don't. Because taking your life is not the solution to your soul. God is. And the man says, what do I do? And he says, it's real simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. Simply put your faith in this Jesus. You know what's crazy? He didn't take an hour to explain who Jesus was. And why? Because the man knew in his desperation on a soul level, he needed something beyond himself to turn his soul to because he was going to take his own life if he didn't. Believe on the Lord Jesus. That is to say that through faith in Jesus, you are gifted a relationship with God where your soul can be connected to its source, and now God can be the center. Where do we turn? What does our soul need to be healthy and whole? Ultimately, the place that we turn with our soul. So we need a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And God needs to be the center. So I'm going to center. I'm going to ask you to do something really quickly. There's two groups of people that I want to speak to in this moment, and I'm asking you to respond. By respond, I'm actually asking you to make a choice today. You may not necessarily be familiar with uh, situations in life where you hear someone talk for a while. This is not a TED talk, where you hear someone talk for a while and then they actually expect or they want you to make, uh, you want, they want you to respond. But I'm gonna ask two, two, two groups of people in the room to respond. The first is this, is that if you have up to this point in your life, you have, you have not made a decision to invite God through faith in Jesus Christ. You've not, you've not made a decision to have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to respond today, yes or no, to that. I'm going to ask, 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 ask you to make a decision this morning. Will, you, will today be a day that is a hinge point, a 180-degree turn for you? Where you say, you know what, today is the, a day I'm going to make a choice. I'm going to respond to the message. Because I know through what has been spoken this morning, I know that my soul needs a relationship with God. The second group in the room, 
or maybe those who've grown up with a belief in God, belief that that Jesus is real, belief that God is is real, and, and you have a faith. But as I've been talking this morning, you've realized, man, God has not been the center of my soul. God's maybe been on the sideline. If there was a territory, if a circle was made, I, I could honestly say that God has not been the center. He's, I've been orienting my, my life around myself. I've been orienting my life around all of these other desires and aspirations and ambitions. But I, I really can't honestly say this morning that, that God has been the one that I have revolved my life around. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to come back next week because we're going to be talking about the God life, which is a life that revolves around God being at the center. So in this moment, I want to respect you and honor you. If I could have every person bow their heads, every person close their eyes, this is just a moment of reflection. And I'm just going to ask you to respond this morning. And I'm going to ask you to lift your hand up to one of the two because it's really not about me being, seeing your hand. It's really a, the reality about you acknowledging in a physical way that God, is, God has been speaking to you. He's been getting your attention this morning. He's been identifying in your heart, and you know that at a heart level. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're in this room this morning and you, you would say, my soul needs a personal relationship with God. I need to have a personal relationship with God. Will you just slip your hand up? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Second group, you can put your hands on. Second group that I want to talk to is maybe those that realize I've believed in God, but I maybe I've been running from God. Thank you. I've been running, man. God has not been the center. He's been on the sideline. He's, but He's really hasn't been in the middle. If that's you this morning. You, you just want to make a commitment today. Say, man, God, I want, I want you to be the center. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I want you to be right in the middle of my soul. I'm actually inviting you off the sideline into the game of my life and saying, you know, I want to revolve around you. Thank you. Can I just say this as you continue to have your head bowed and your eyes closed? such a authentic thing for you to do. Such a meaningful thing for you to do to say, I recognize that God has not been the center. I recognize that I need a relationship with God. So I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer with me. And this prayer, the power is not in the prayer because God knows your heart. God knows where you are. God knows what he's doing in your heart. He's doing more in your heart than I can even say. So I'm just going to ask you, though, if you responded to, you were in the first group and said, you know, I need a relationship with God that's personal and real. 
I just want you to speak this out loud. Even if it's a whisper, it doesn't matter to God. He knows your heart. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you paved a way for my soul to come into personal relationship with God. Jesus, I believe today that you did in fact die on the cross. I receive the forgiveness from my sin, from my error that your death paid a price for. And I ask you today to come into my heart to step onto the landscape of my soul and be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to pray for the second group. God, I pray for those in the room that are just understood. I've believed in you. I have faith in you. But God, I have had you on the sideline. I just want to make a choice today. I want to make a choice to recenter my soul and my life around you. I want to begin to put you back in your rightful place for the health of my soul. So God, I just choose today to reorient my life around you. I thank you for the hearts of the people in the room that you have been speaking to and you have been touching. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to do something really quickly, is if you responded to one of those two things, I just want you to stick around as we close, because we have some staff that just want to have just a brief conversation with you about your response. If that's okay, say that's okay. But God bless you. Thank you so much for being here. If you're a guest, I would love to, to, to meet with you again. I'd love to talk with you. Our staff would love to talk with you. Thank you for coming this morning. Please make sure you come up forward. Also, if you're a guest, I hope that you understand that we have a gift card for you to go on, out to lunch on us. The last thing that I'll just say is that if you are a church member and you're taking them out, I would love for you to go to the back table and get some of those questions. If you're a guest, I actually really value what you have to say about what you experienced this morning. We want to know what your experience was like. And so if, if you're taking them out, uh, that would be awesome. Make sure you grab those. Uh, if not, and you signed a visitor form this morning, uh, we are going to follow up with a phone call with you just to talk about that. So thank you so much. If you have any other prayer uh, request, please come forward. We'd love to pray for you. But if you responded to either the first thing or the second thing, please stick around. You could come up to the front. Our uh, pastors and staff would love to just have a brief conversation with you. God bless you. We love you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.